Good evening, everyone. Well, listen, what I wanted to do is is catch up with, with the man, the myth himself, and that that's Kazim Sheikh. And uh, probably don't know me, but listen, Sheikhy actually interviewed me first for his first ever podcast on on uh, Sheikhy's sporting journeys. I think it was Sheikhy's cricket and tours. Then actually, when 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 I came on, and and what I wanted to do, sitting from the outside in, was you know actually grab the man and, and let the people hear his stories. Um, from you know growing up and playing cricket and and why he started this podcast and the, uh, sort of the difficult times that that Kaz went through. So, Kaz, thanks so much for for giving me the opportunity, mate, to to let you sit on the other side of the fence this time and, and get me involved. It's quite refreshing, actually. Um, I was thinking, I've got I normally stress. I've got a podcast at some point today, and you need to do some research. You need to be prepared. It was quite nice to know that. You know, I don't have to do anything. It's yeah. all, it's all, it's all, it's all on you. I just need to need to answer the questions that you're going to ask. Uh, so no, it was quite, it's quite nice. The preparation's been a lot less, a uh, lot less stressful, which has been quite handy because I've been moving all week. So, um, and and just to the just to the viewers, you know, uh, Ryan Flanagan was a, as he said, the first guest I had on the show. We've played a lot of cricket together. He's a he's a great character, um, and I thought it'd be quite cool to to team up with him and, and have him on as a co-host and maybe do some of his own hosting and maybe he can take some of the burden off me with some of the names that we've got lined up. But over to you, my friend. Perfect, mate. And I think that's what, you know, a lot of people I can speak for myself and a lot of the lads in the cricket and world and, and my dad and, and they've really enjoyed some of the guests you've had on uh, and, and I think there's some big things to come. And, and, and as I said before, you know, in difficult times, if you can put a smile on people's faces, because then why not, mate? So um, you know, let's get let's get cracking uh, if you don't mind. And I think for me, it's like you know where it all starts, isn't it? Like how how did you get into cricket? Because you know that that's what we want to talk about first and foremost. When you were a young lad growing up um, in the suburbs of Glasgow, um, you know where where was it? How did you get into cricket, mate? I think um, plain and simple, the background I come from, my father's side of the. The, the background is obviously from Pakistan, which is a, a massive cricket playing country. Uh, my dad's older brother played first class cricket um, at a good level in Pakistan as well. Um, so it's safe to say I was pretty much born with a bat in my hand. My dad loves his cricket, his idols, Imran Khan. Um, he's, you know, grew up sitting in the stadiums in Lahore watching cricket. So I, I think I was always going to, whether I was going to be any good at it or not, but I was going to be given a cricket bat and a ball. Um, and to be honest, I just took to it from a very young age. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my back garden was all slabbed. Well, my, actually, it was grass and then a little bit of slab, but then my dad got it all slabbed because I didn't like the bounce on the grass. So I pretty much used to just bowl and bat myself sometimes in the back garden, drop the ball on a tee, pretend I was making test hundreds, bowl a bit of left arm seam. You wouldn't have got to see the left arm seam. Uh, I had that, hung the boots up just by the time you started. Uh, but listen, my dad got floodlights installed in the back garden. The whole terrace used to get lit up. Um, so, yeah, pretty much. And I've also, my mum introduced me to Mike Stanger at Clydesdale when I went down there and introduced me as, as if my son Gasson, he sleeps with his bat. And that's been in a few articles ever since. So, some, you know, it's a wee bit, it's a wee bit concerning that, that that sounds a bit dodgy, but uh, yeah, I think that's how much I love my cricket bats. And um, you mentioned your dad there. Obviously, he must have been quite a big figure for you. Um, and, and I suppose he's taught you a lot. Um, as you know, I can relate to that. And what, what was it like growing up? Um, you know, being an Asian lad in, in Glasgow and, and playing cricket was it difficult? Was it was it easy? What was it like? Um, listen, 
playing cricket, as you probably know, probably know from being in school and stuff, you used to get some passing comments. You know, it was, uh, you know, you would get called some inappropriate names. The guy that, you know, back in the day, it was, it, was, it was allowed for some of those comments to fly. But nowadays, you know, I'm talking related to kind of homosexuality, etc. You would get called names related to that for playing cricket. Um, I, I soon straightened out a few of the boys as we got older and took them down to the nets and made them face a cricket ball. And they soon took back what they were saying. But even still, that was wrong of to, to use that term. All, you know, altogether, it was you know you wouldn't get you wouldn't get away with that in this day and age, and and, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, being an Asian, I was very I was born in Glasgow, so I, there's guys that maybe had it a wee bit tougher that have come over and started at a, a later age in their teens, etc. But I was very much Glaswegian. I played football at school. I was very comfortable with my surroundings. Um, so no, it was it was it was it was quite fun. It was uh, I enjoyed. I was a very confident character. Didn't lack, didn't lack confidence, so I, I made my way pretty quickly. I think from the age of six, my mum and dad took me down to Clydesdale Cricket Club and they didn't take kids in until, I think, seven or eight, but they decided to take to take me on. So, no, great child memories, all thanks to my mum and dad. They, 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 without them, I wouldn't have been anywhere near where I got to. And it was Clydesdale, mate, is that, is that where you started? To, I was going to say, when did cricket sort of start getting serious? But it started at Clydesdale for you, yeah? Clydesdale was a, was the first childhood club, only six five six minute drive from where I lived, um over a battlefield road, um and yeah I would uh, my dad would have to wait my dad would pick me up at half past eight the arranged time was and I would still be in the ground at quarter past nine in the pitch black telling my dad to wait another five ten minutes I'm sure you I'm sure you your your old man can relate to that as well thankfully they both had cricket and interests so it made it a little bit easier but I think if my parents didn't understand the sport or anything, I might have got a clip around the ear a couple of times and told, get shifting. Yeah, yeah. And um, it, it, when did cricket sort of get serious for you, mate? Was it was it under 13s or was it 15s? Like, you know, obviously, I want to touch on your, your career later on, but when did it sort of get a little bit like, well, you know what, I can, I want to play this a bit more seriously? For me, the, the, the you would, you'll relate to this, the district setup starts at under 13. So my first trip was to go to Merkison. Um, for the district festival under 13s, which was uh, you know great childhood memories playing against the north, the east, and the south. I had a big rival in Kyle Kutzer, fellow all rounder at the time who was playing for the north. So he was my benchmark. I wanted to do better than him. We talked about it in our podcast actually. There was a game where he took, I think it was five wickets and one over, and I took four wickets and one over. And it was just like because the two grounds are side by side. And it was like I would get a wicket, and then he would get a wicket, and it was just you know going toe to going toe to toe. Obviously, he was a great batsman as well. Both of us uh, scored a lot of runs in that in that series, and then we were all you know the Scotland and the thirteen team was selected, and then we went on tours such as down in Northumberland for a game or two, and then we the the, the great tour was Ampleforth. But that was the first real moment of thinking, right? This is this is a big time now because you're obviously coming up against Lancashire, Essex, all the all the names you want to perform against these teams. So no, that was a that was the first real introduction into serious cricket. I just absolutely loved it. I mean, I couldn't couldn't could not get enough of it. Just loved it. And did you have that sort of competitive edge? Do you have that sort of you know that kept, that competitive edge in you from the, from the get go? Do you reckon you had it then as well? Yeah, very much so. I mean, you played cricket with me. You've you. You've uh, you've played under my captaincy as well, so you know that I'm no shy to to voice my opinion, and I don't mm-hmm. like to lose. I, you know, I very much like to win, 
Um, and I always feel you'll you'll relate to this as well, being Scottish and you go down to play against the English, they look down the nose at you a little bit and they think these boys have got no right competing against us. So that 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 always got the blood going. That that mm. always really wanted you you always had that wee bit of feistiness in you that listen, we'll, we'll show these boys what we can do. We took a fair amount of uh backside kickings as well, but you know, we turned over some some top some top teams as well and let them know that we can we can play cricket up here in Scotland. So yeah, I know from a young age. Very, very competitive. And, and it was something you mentioned, Kyle, there, and, and you know, being fortunate enough to play with him. And I think for me, you know, looking back when I was growing up, I think the big, the first big occasion for any young cricketer was like under 19 level, wasn't it? Like a World Cup. Um, and I know you were lucky enough to go to World Cup with Kyle and, and a lot of the other lads there. Was that the, your first taste of cricket at like a, a senior level when maybe the, the ball was coming a bit quicker, you know, in the air and off the bat with these lads? 100%. I mean, we had the European Championships in Edinburgh, which was Scotland, Ireland, the Netherlands and Denmark, and only one team qualified. Um, so you had to win the tournament. We played Ireland and the decider at Watsonians, one of your old, one of your old clubs. Um, and it was myself and Kyle actually at the back end of the innings chasing against Ireland. And I was 15, Kyle would have maybe been 16 at the time, playing under 19s. You know, they were coming hard at us. They had a lot of players that have went on to do really well. John Mooney, Niall O'Brien. Um, you know, it was it was a, a, a boys are playing for a spot in the World Cup. So it was a a really, really crunch game. And we managed to get over the line um and qualify for the World Cup. So going into the World Cup already felt quite comfortable in the team. I had a great captain and Robert Moore, uh, who was was brilliant with me as a as a as a youngster. You know, you had the likes of Stevie Gilmore. Um, we had um, we had the name Stuart Kutzer, Kyle Kutzer's older brother. Did you always know know that Rob was going to be a a high class lawyer? But you know, 100%, 100%. There was no doubt, there was no doubt about it with uh, with Barbara and uh, Mr. Mr. Moore himself. You know, they 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 they, they set the benchmark, uh, but no, I think you you could always tell with Rob, he was destined to to become a high end, high end lawyer, man. He's uh, and he's got that. That's what I liked about Rob as well. He had that bit of fight about him as well. Um, he, he wasn't shy to get stuck into the other and, and say it as well, right, boys? Let's get stuck in. And people would not normally, I, I, normally as boys from Glasgow call you boys from Edinburgh. I know you're from a wee bit away from you're a wee bit out of the way. We tend to call you by they're a bit soft in the East Coast. There, you know they don't like don't like to get in a confrontation. But I, Rob, Rob was the opposite. I mean, he he was always he was always game for a. For a confrontation, so it suited it suited me playing under his under his captain uh, his leadership. So no, I had I had great 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 I wonder, memories. Of mate, I wonder if he's got a wee uh, photograph in his inside pocket of the Scotland and nineteen team, just like his dad's got a picture of every game he's played in. Well, you were the legend, the real legend of the the family's hate. It was as Hamish, isn't yeah. it? He was uh, he was in a, you know I had lots of stories. I never got to spend much. I never really got to spend much time with him, but I had so many stories about him. He would let you know from afar how good he was. Um, Rob wasn't he quite wasn't he quite because I think that's why he became the captain as well he was quite good at kind of he brought the boys together he was very encouraging if you'd done well he was he was the first guy to pat you on the back uh, so now it was uh, really going into that World Cup getting to go to New Zealand don't get me wrong the flight was an absolute killer um, but my my mum actually went over um, Rob's parents went over um, I'm sure Stevie Stevie Gilmore's parents, my father, I think, went over. There was a lot of parents that had, that made the made the trip over. So we had a Stuart Leggett, his 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 his, his mum was over there. So we had a nice 
nice wee fan base there. And to go over there was amazing. We, we played our first game against the West Indies at Carisbrook, Dunedin. Yep. And West Indies hit us for 415. There's a guy called there's a guy called Donovan Pagon who hit 174. And the funniest story about that is Chris West bowled him on 174 and told him to head back to the and it was like, oh man. That sounds like showing me right now. He did I <laughs> I couldn't believe it when he did it. Um but we came out to bat and I remember actually Rob left the changing room. He was opening up opening up with Ali Eccles. He walked out of the changing room and he was like, let's go get these now. Come on, let's chase it. And everyone's just sitting thinking, aye, mate, we're going to go out there and chase 420 against the Windies. Um, we were like nine for three and I was at the crease facing Ravi Rampal. Um, and it was, you know, it was a good introduction. I think I got 40 against the West Indies. Um, and it was, it was a ball, like you say, the ball was coming True. a couple of yards quicker. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good experience. Um, we ended up getting rolled for about 150, 160, I think, in the end, maybe a, maybe a few more. Uh, so we took a fair drubbing, but then we bounced back and we beat Kenya in the next game, which was like our kind of main rival in that group. And then we played the Aussies in the last game. We bowled first against the Aussies. We actually had the Aussies 30 for three and a bit any of trouble. Name, any big names in the Aussies team? I was, some of the boys that you, you were named Dan Christian. Mm-hmm. Dan Christian, he was, he, he was playing... Um, Cameron White then came out and got 150. So obviously we, we know what he went on to do. He's a, he's a class cricketer. Um, Crossway was the was the keeper. Adam um, Cosgrove, the, the the heavy boy that plays for Leicester. He opened the batting. He was a serious player. Uh, so that is uh, Marsh as well. Sean Marsh. Mm-hmm. So right, they had a they had a good good team. Um, but we did okay. I mean, we had them in a bit of trouble, but with Cameron White's 150, they went on to get about 320. Um, and we were, I think we crawled, we were 170, 180 or something. Um, so we were a bit, a wee bit disappointed. We thought we would, we, we, you know, we were never likely to beat the West Indies in Australia, but we, we probably would have liked to have done a little bit better. Uh, but then we went into the plate competition um, and we lost, no, we beat Canada and we beat, we lost to Nepal. Mm. Which was a bit of a cock up by yeah. I'll, blame, I'll blame Mike Kendrick and Rob Moore. They never calculated that we needed to chase it in a certain amount of overs. And unfortunately, we then realised we had to chase it in a certain amount of overs to make the semi final of the plate. And we all went for it and we got bowled out. So that was a, that was a bit of a disaster. Another coaching cock up. Who was the, uh, who was the coach then? Was it, was it Hendrick? Was it Hendrick and the late Willie Morton? Was Willie? Um, who, you know, great memories. Great memories of Morts. Uh, great man. Great cricketer, great person off the field. I mean, you know him, you know him very well as well. Great mentor to have on a tour like that. Hendo was a bit more the kind of in your face type a little bit. And and Willie was kind of the, you know, the one that would put his arm over your shoulder and keep you right. You know, and you know, there's a lot of young boys away on that tour. Money, but the youngest in the squad, he was only 15. I was 16, Kyle was 17. So we were at, we were we had a lot of youngsters in the tour, and Willie, Willie was Willie was was amazing with us. I've got so many, so many fond memories of him. Now, great, great guy, wasn't he? He was a great guy. Um, always had a laugh, always had a smile on his face, and, and he just kept the lads up, didn't he? So, uh, you know, I'm sure Keith very proud of his dad, and you know, hope he, hope he um, always. You know, people always speak at Willie and a smile on their face, which is which is half the battle. And um, and then, mate, for you, I suppose it was coming back for the World Cup. Um, and when did you first break into the 
so out of your younger then. But when you break it in the full team, were you 20s? or? Well, I came back from the World Cup and then I signed a contract with the MCC Young Cricketers. So um, myself and Kyle had just signed contracts. He signed one with Durham and I'd signed one with the YCs. So I was I got back from the World Cup and was straight straight down to London at Lords. Um, and that was a that was a real eye opener, you know, being away from home for the first time, uh, living in kind of your own hostel kind of digs. I was I was probably the youngest in the squad down there. Um, probably made a few blunders along the way. I played some good cricket. My first game I played, I was playing against uh, Phil Tufno, Ed Joyce, OSHA, and I got a seventy, and we beat uh, we beat Middlesex in that game. And I was thinking, this is easy. This is an absolute doddle. And then we we played some second eleven championship cricket after that, and I soon got straightened out by a couple of couple of old pros that just just found found me out, you know, got hit in a few parts of the body that weren't very nice, um, and then just didn't really manage myself very well. You were kind of left to your own accord. You were expected to to be you know responsible and you know sensible and you know me Flanners, I wasn't always the Sensible. most. I was the always the most sensible. Can I imagine you in your early twenties anyway? Couple, <laughs> couple too many late nights, and you know, not probably not looking after my diet in the right ways, and just not training enough. I.e., even in relation to fitness and stuff, because you're so young, you just get away with it. But it started taking its toll, um, and I probably, in the end, became quite homesick down there. Played my first season, did reasonably well, got offered a second contract. Um, and then when I went down there the second year, I just, there was my first experience, I think, of experiencing probably, when I look back at it now, kind of experiencing, you know, depression and just being really struggling, being away from home. And I just handed my handed my resignation in. Mike Hendrick was raging with me, didn't select me for the other the next Under-19 World Cup, which pretty much probably could have been the end of my cricket playing days quite easily. I could have stopped playing cricket then. You know, not to go to the World Cup, even though I went to South Africa with Kyle for six months, I, I got myself in a good position. I was still, still, but I think mistakes on both parts, but I think Mike Kendrick didn't really take the time. He's very old school. You know, maybe in current days, some coaches would have sat down and discussed the issues with me. It wasn't, I think it was because he was part of the recommendation of sending me down there. He felt that I disrespected him. But if he'd taken a bit more time to understand why I'd left, then maybe he would have, but yeah, unfortunately, I had to miss out on an under-19 World Cup in India mm-hmm. and watch the boys. And that was my time to be playing with likes of Omar, and mm-hmm. Moniv, all these guys. Kyle was still on the team. So it was uh, Ian Young was on the team. So that would have been a, a... It was sad to miss out on that, but such is life. So that's a dis- so that's a, another disappointment. Quite young, uh, quite young age, isn't it? And and these are the, these are the things that can lead into later problems in life, and you know, having been through it myself, there's a lot of lows in there in, in in any sport. So that's that's probably your second or first low. And looking back now, I, mean, I suppose you you know, could you have toughed it out down there? Do you reckon it would have been different if you had? I've always looked back and assessed it and analysed it, and I think yeah, I've, I've been honest with you there that I probably didn't do myself any favours. Um, I got up to a bit of mischief around the hostel, pissed a few people off. You know, and uh, you know, I had a few do- a few chaps at the door and whatnot. Of, of you know, I actually talked to Ross Taylor about it on the podcast. He was about to kill me one day because I I threw a, threw a shaving foam all over his bed, and he was going he was going to kill me. He didn't remember it. I refreshed his memory. Um, <laughs> but those kind of antics, those kind of antics, just doing some stupid stuff, and then when you realise that maybe you've had a couple of 
heavy words from a few people that are a lot older than you. There's not much you can do about it. Then you're sitting in your room and it's kind of like mm, feeling so, you know, get starting to starting to really feel it, starting to miss home. But yeah, I could have done things. I could have done things differently. But we, when you're young, you're young, aren't you? you we all make mistakes. Yeah, and let's move on to some better times, mate, for yourself and, and getting into the Scotland team and getting your, you know, your debut and uh, and who who gave you your debut, mate? Who for who who picked you for Scotland? Um, Andy Moles. Right. Andy Moles gave me my debut. Um, he gave me my debut against the Dutch mm-hmm. in an I Cup game, and I got a first baller off from Ryan Tendiscata, LBW, and then it rained. For the next three days so when I actually got out it rained if I'd only managed to face two or three more balls I would have had a I had a not out and a, and a drawn four day game but I tend to scatter just ran in and just skidded one skidded one through me LBW it was over it was over in Holland yeah. um, and the rest of the tour was just spent familiarizing myself with the uh the older boys in the in the squad you know there was a uh, a lot of guys, a lot of legends that have played for Scotland over the Who's years. The characters? Who was the characters in the team then? Pretty sure Maka was on that tour. Uh, pretty sure Neil McCallum was on that tour. And as you know, you know he's a he's a, a fine, fine man. And he's a, pissing on your leg in the shower if you're unlucky. Uh, you know the amount of times I've seen that guy. That guy is, is very seldomly has clothes on. I shouldn't say this in a podcast because a bloody school teacher and it will concern people. I'm sure he never does it when he's at school. But my God, the amount of times that you know, I even remember once he, he walked in on Omar Hussein. He was on a, a you know on a on a phone call to to some people that and and in the background. So just the way me and you are talking right now, you know, McCallum just walked in. All right, go me. How you doing, mate? Omar's like closing the laptop, you know, th- things things like that. Um, you had the mannequin, the Borat mannequin. Yeah. He would just have that on whenever we'd go to the poolside and stuff like that. And he was just, he was nuts, but I loved it. I loved it because me and we were pretty nuts as well, Flanners. We'd done a lot of, done a lot of cra- cra- crazy things, you know, blasting the music in, the, in my old golf, flying down the motorway. You know, we had some, uh, <laughs> had some funny times. To be fair, the, the funniest, the funniest thing for me recently is um, thinking back to the the eighteen games, and I see Smudgers set up a, you know, a, a sort of a service where he'll take you, you know, from yeah, yeah, yeah. a five class service. Yeah. But I tell you something, if if, if his driving's anything like it was back in the eighteen games, you wouldn't be getting a car with him. That's for sure. <laughs> he used to bomb it in those old Zafiras, Zafira seven seaters. We used to get. He would bomb it. Uh, Gregor Maiden used to drive it. Nobody. He used, he used to absolutely floor it. Exactly. I mean, I'm saying this, you know, some of the journeys we, we were driving down there all those years ago, because you just wanted to get home. They were long journeys. You either wanted to, we were always getting there late to start a very early start the next morning or yeah. wanting to just get back up the road. So people used to fairly put the foot down. I'm surprised a few more guys didn't get points or anything. We, we had, a, had a pretty clear, clear, clear way, to be honest. I know. Um, and and uh, I suppose that that was, you know, th- those days we're talking about now is probably after when you were obviously in the, in the first team and the Scotland team. And uh, w- when you scored your hundreds, mate, which is obviously something, you know, you'll look back on uh, as a very, very proud moments in your cricket and career and, and your family will look back on them. And it, there, there was three of them, mate. So it was an unbelievable achievement for you as well. And uh, Ireland, was it Ireland, Kenya? And it was Holland as well, was it? Or No, I scored one in Pakistan on debut in okay. first-class cricket in Pakistan. Yeah. Um, and then 
uh, Ireland and then straight back to back Kenya. Ireland must have been a, a cracker to get a hundred against them, mate. Yeah? Mate, that 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 I still get I still get a good feeling about that one. I've got the picture up in my in my in my place um, because it, I had the bat raised, the man of field, and somebody got a good snap. You know, I hadn't really proven myself in international cricket at that point. I'd been in the one day side in and out a few times. I hadn't really scored anything of note, and I got selected to bat a three in that game of Manfield. And I, I remember I feel we had a chat the night before the game. And we discussed things like, listen, we're not going to be mates with the Irish. You know, in Ireland, we're, Ireland were the team at that point. They probably had, they'd gone past us. You know, uh, we'd, we'd lost a few players um, and Ireland were playing some pretty good cricket. This was, you know, not, not long after they had all their World Cup success and everything. So we, we chatted about it and I was fielding short leg in the first innings. We bowled first. And I just I remember I just coming hard at them, you know, Porterfield. He hit me in the shin off the back foot. And he says, he's like, you're all right, mate. And I was like, just concentrate on your back, mate. Don't you worry about what's wrong with me. <laughs> and, I was going, yeah. and then, you know, we were, uh, Kevin O'Brien walked in and I was like, this guy's a walking wicket, lads. Absolute walking wicket. You know, and he and he, he looked at me, gave me a look like, who are you talking to? I'm, I'm big time, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm the man around here. And I think, I can't remember how he got, Magic just ripped through them. Magic got a fight. Gowdy got, Gowdy's got wickets in that game as well. Um... Sterling, I think, if I remember correctly, pulled one down to fine leg. He got out quite early. Uh, so we rolled them for 205. And you know the way the I Cup, uh, went, how it works. If you get a lead in the first innings, you get first innings points. Yeah. So there was about 45 minutes left in day one. And Dougie Lockhart opened the batting with Fraser Watts. So they went out to open up. And Trent Johnson, I think it was Frago, knocked his poles over in the first over. So I'm walking out. It's grim at Manofield, really dull. I've got to the wicket and I've never taken chat like that in my life. They had like five slips, gullies, and it was like Bota, Bota said to, I think he said to Gary Wilson, who was keeping, he was like, this guy bottled it from the MCC, didn't he? He ran home from the MCC. And I'm like, how does this guy know this? <laughs> and then he's like, and then Trent Johnston, he was at the top of his run up and he's just like, he's shouting to Kevin O'Brien, this guy, this black, what's he doing batting for number three for Scotland? What the hell is this? They're handing out caps these days. Hearts just going, going, going. So he bowled me the first ball and I left out his head off stump and he was here in my face and he was just, I mean, I, I won't share all the words, but he was coming hard. I don't know what, I just thought, let's just, let's just have it out here then. And I walked all the way down the wicket with them and walked alongside them and I was just, just like, aye mate, what's the problem? Let's have it then, let's see what you're all about. Come on, and then I turned around to the keeper in the slips and I was like, you know, I, I, I my, mom, my mother might end up watching this, so I won't choose all the words. Yeah. But then it was like, I took my guard and I was thinking, if I get out now, oh, I'm going to get walked off this pitch. No. They're going to walk me off this pitch. So I batted, there was about 30 not out overnight and uh, you know, Felt good, walked off, not out. Right, we were two down. So me and Ryan Watson walked off at the end of the day's play. Went for a nice wee meal, wee Indian restaurant with Maggie. Maggie had said to me, "You look, you got to get a hundred tomorrow." And I was, I was, I was, it was ready in my head. I was like, "I'm getting a hundred tomorrow, hundred percent, getting a hundred. Yeah. They had two very good spinners, Kyle McAllen mm -hmm. uh, and Regan West, and it was turning big on that wicket, really, really turning big. But I like playing spin, and I just. Started nerdling my way away, nerdling my way. If you look at the scorecard for that game, I don't think anybody else scored over 15. Maybe 20 was the next highest score. So I kept losing a partner as, as, as time went on. 
until Ali Evans walked in at 11 and I was on about 96 and I was like, Ali, you got about two or three balls to pace here, just block them and then let me try and get, get over the line the other end. So I got my 100 and then the plan was that we were, we'd also got first innings points. So we'd gone past Ireland. So I said to Ali, I took a single and the third ball of the over, a fourth ball of the over, and I said, just block these next two out. McAllen's bowling from the other end. I'm playing them well. I'll, I'll go after them and try and get some runs. The giraffe decides that he, he wants to he wants to go downtown. Oh, no. He hits it up in the air. Sturlew actually said this during our podcast. He said it made me laugh so much because as he hit it up in the air, I just went, Ali, what are you doing, man? And he's just like, but at least he got me to my 100. So thank you for that, Ali. He got me, got me over the line. Yeah. But yeah, we walked, we walked off with innings points. And then we were 17 for five or 27 for five in, this, in our second innings. And uh, it rained. Right. It rained. So we, we, we basically got the points. Um, but the best feeling was walking off the pitch. Trent Johnston, Kyle McAllen. That's it's what, what I love about the sport. They came hard at me. But I, I, I earned their respect and, and it felt good. That was the first time I really properly announced myself in international cricket. Do you find that like, uh, I always find when, when someone got stuck into you, yeah, it sort of spurred you on to, to, to concentrate more, I think, doesn't it? And, 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 and battle. To, I think me and you have got a little bit of similar traits when it comes to that and definitely similar traits when talking trash uh, in the middle, that's for sure. I've, um, your, your, ch- your chat is better than mine. Mine's is just aggression. Mine tends to be aggressive. You come out with some... Uh, but the problem with you was nobody could understand you. As soon as we got south of the border, I think they all just were like, what's this guy talking about? Kelsey, yeah. the, the best story for me was um, Jade Dernbach at the Oval and um, he's, he's charging in. Um, and um, to be honest, I couldn't actually see the ball, mate. It was so it was a, a white wicket, um, white ball, black side screens, but like a sort of white frame around it. And he's charging in. He, he bowled first ball off back of a length. And I've, I've went forward to this thing, back of a length. It's clattered me on the on the grill, and the grill sort of like cut my face a little bit just in here. And uh, he said something along these lines like "you Scottish, you know this and that." Yeah, yeah. And I've said something back to him in a Kelso accent, and he's looked at me and he's like, "What the hell did you say, mate?" I went, "Mate, you've got a girl's name now." And, and that and that and that was that was sort of third ball over anyway. Bumped me a couple of times, missed a few. Yasser Arafat's bowling. Yasser bowls a nice wee way swinger. Outside off, I thought this is getting hit in the stands at the oval. Nicked off, walked off for about three or four with a nice little bruise on my face. But that's that's I didn't my know you got. I didn't know he pinned you. I didn't. That's the first time I've heard that story. You got. To be honest, me, I never knew it hit me until I got down the other end. It sort of just mm-hmm. clattered the grill and walked up the other end. But um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, that's a good part about it. As, as you mentioned, there is. You know, I remember times being in Australia when the Aussies always come hard at you, don't you? And and but after the game, they share a share a beer and. And that's what's brilliant about cricket, isn't it? And that's why the lads come together. Um, yeah, mate, listen, I suppose. And then your career, I would say, you know, massive highs there for the Scotland team. Um, and then, I suppose, big lows being dropped out of the team and, and also a, a controversial falling out with Pete Steindl. Um, is that something you can sort of let, let us know what happened there? There's one thing I want to mention just before going go any further that people don't actually remember this and I, I do like to remind people of it. So I, I got labelled as a bit of a four-day player. Right. But I once went to the T20 World Cup in South Africa. Right. Because I, and that was off the back of my back. So I went in a 15-man squad to South Africa, the first ever T20 World Cup. Carried uh, I carried a few drinks, but I, <laughs> I also played in the warm-up game against Zimbabwe and I got, I think it was, 
30 odd. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quote this because I, like imagine Hackle ended up watching this and remind me that I was three runs short of what I'm saying. But I got a good score of a lot little a lot less balls. Um and I was very confident I was gonna play against Pakistan in the first game. Uh, and Ryan Watson, Pete Steindo and Andy Tennant informed me in the hotel downstairs that I wasn't going to be part of the team and I kick up, uh, lost the plot. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, they, they, was, they said to me, oh, listen, you're here, that's a good thing. And I said, I'm not here to carry drinks, I'm here to play. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was probably my, probably my first kind of fallout with uh, with senior management. Um that, 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 and I'm actually, I'm actually going to get Ryan Watson. I, I was due to have him on the podcast, and I'm going to still have him on because I had a kind of, lo- I feel like I had a love hate relationship with Ryan Watson. You know, I didn't dis- dislike him, but I, I always felt maybe he didn't, he didn't quite rate me mm-hmm. um, as a cricketer, and so there was always there was, there was a wee bit, there was a wee bit of something there. But we'll, I'm sure we'll iron it out over a podcast. It's funny you say that. There's always a few players you play with, and you you know they don't rate you. But it was something I never really gave a shit about, to be honest. Is what you know you can do. And it's funny you mentioned the the Panther, the Panthero Magi. He he keeps sending me like just random scorecards. Just oh, like, loves it. Badger. He's a badger, Magi. We played against uh, Kolkata uh, Night Riders um, in 2012 or something in South Africa, and I think I hit 36 off. 14 balls or something like that and Maggie's like oh, look at that then mate oh, you're hitting the ball clean you know Maggie loved you Maggie right. loved you I remember I, th- I think I said this during our podcast when we played against Knott's first time you came into the A-team Maggie was bigging you up Maggie yeah. was like this guy can play and I was thinking this guy just looks like he's got a bit of swagger about him I bet he's going to go out there and snick off and then you bet that was the day you played three or four off Harris off your legs um, and I was thinking oh I boy, boy, boy. I reckon I reckon Maggie was paying Andy Tennant to pick me just because Maggie was happy with the team, to be honest. Those two were my, my greatest fans apart from my mum. But I, I picked on, I mentioned Pete there and obviously a bit of controversy with Pete Steindl and he was our, my coach as well at the time. And, and obviously your career sort of ended when Pete was in the, the, the helm as well. What, what, what happened there with, with Pete? You know, I've known Pete all, pretty much all my, my cricket career. Pete was the first guy that gave me a chance to play for Scotland at 13. Uh, that was something I actually quoted in my, uh, you know, we'll go to, I'll, I'll mention, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss where things went. But obviously, I knew Pete very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out to South Africa for the World Cup qualifiers. Um, the batting lineup didn't really perform out there, and I carried drinks for quite a long period of time. And that was where I felt me and Pete's relationship was already starting to t- deteriorate. Right. You know, he was coming to my chap at my door to let me know every every night before the game that I wasn't playing. And I was getting more and more pissed off about it, to be honest, and, and starting to get a bit more vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was okay. He, this was when he took the job very early as a national team coach. You know, he was still finding his feet and all the senior boys were still kicking about Hamilton, Watson, Wright, all these kind of Colin Smith. So he wasn't as vocal. Um, and then when we got back from South Africa, he all these guys retired. Most of them call, called it a day. And... Uh, then I remember Pete kind of coming in and it was about the likes of myself, Richie Bennington, Monty, you know, that core of players, Ross Lyons. And I see the different side of Pete. It was kind of like, you know, headmasterish mm-hmm. um, and being quite strict. However, Pete was also the person that pushed for me to get a contract that year. So I want to put this on record and say that I didn't ever dislike Pete Steindl. Mm-hmm. I know I, I, I've actually got a lot of fond memories. 
and I'm, I'm pro I know I, I went on to apologize after and things, but probably our relationship will never ever be the same. And I feel bad because he's got a, a lovely family. You know, his um, his wife when I once came back from the tour to Namibia was at the airport and congratulated me on a good performance. You know, he's got lovely two lovely daughters if I remember correctly. Um, so you know, if this ever gets across to him, I probably didn't deal with things the way I should have. But at the time, I hadn't been selected to play for Scotland for quite a while. Yeah. I was playing down in the Staffordshire mm -hmm. League at the time, and I was doing pretty well, scoring runs. And I felt like it's a good time to call up Pete and, and let him know that, you know, you've got you've got a couple of A-team games happening down the road. Um, you know, fa fancy giving me a gig in one of them. Yeah. Now, that was the A-team flange. You know, that was the that was not the, the senior team. Yeah. Now, I, I feel like I'd done my done my time in the A-team and I did, 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 did all right with my, with my stats. Yeah. And, you know, Pete kind of just told me, like, you're at the back of the pecking order. You know, there's quite a few guys. And I, I was quick to remind him that how many of these guys in that pecking order have got First class hundreds behind them, hundreds against these counties. You know, do I really need to to go to, to prove my worth here? Do you not think I deserve a chance? You're only playing down the road, and we had a bit of an uncomfortable conversation, and he pretty much made it clear that I wasn't up for going to be up for selection for the A team at the moment, and that just put my nose right out of joint. Um, it was a couple of weeks later that I um, I spoke to a certain Neil Drysdale, and. Uh, I've got mixed mixed feelings on stuff that I said on it, but I stand by a lot of what I said as well because I do think the performance of the Scotland team was not up to scratch at that time. Um, I don't think the way things were going, you know, it was it was you look if you compared it and benchmark with the Irish and other countries, the types of coaches that they had and where their cricket was going, um, and I think the proofs in the pudding. Yeah. After that era, the likes of uh, Grant Bradburn came in. And you look at the Scotland cricket team where it's gone from there, and I'm yep. quite excited to see where uh, where Shane Berger will take things as well because I think he comes from a, a you know a, a solid background. But by the by, should I have done the article? Probably not. In yep. hindsight, you know, if I if I look back, maybe what you know, maybe I, if I kept quiet, bided my time a little bit. But I was very very passionate about playing for my country still, and I felt like I, I deserved a chance to play a couple of team games. Improved that I was I was good to go again, but I wasn't given that opportunity, and it's safe to say that I probably you know was pretty pretty pissed off, and I, I I voiced my opinion. I think there's always you know I can relate to that. I think, and a lot of people relate to that. When you get older, there's things you do and mistakes you make when you're younger, and it's all off emotions, and you think that you know what's best. And you know, from my point point of view, you know, Pete gave me some of the best experiences in my career as well. Um, and, and I felt like at times, you know, I probably didn't get enough. But in the day, because uh, it, it would always say is, you look back, at, I could have worked harder. I could have done certain things to, to put them in those positions. So it, ultimately, you know, you've held your hands up and um, and you've, you've voiced your opinion there. But yeah, hey, listen, you know, Pete's a good guy and he, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's doing well. So, um, mate, you know, that's cricket, right? That's cricket. And that's the, the game that we, we played and we loved and we've met so many friends and, um, you know, we've got fond memories across the globe, haven't we? You know, playing in different countries. Um, but one thing that stands out for me, and it's something that I think is uh, in the forefront of a lot of people's um, minds at the moment, is that, um, you know, the, the, the mental aspect that people are going through difficult times at the moment and battling with depression and um, people are obviously losing loved ones. And for me, I've, you know, I've, and this is why I wanted to talk to you, mate, to be honest, because I think 
something I've noticed about yourself and um, you know you're very vocal on the fact that of certain situations that you obviously your, your marriage didn't work out you've got kids but you, you mentioned depression and uh, and that's something I feel that we need to be you know open about um, people shouldn't sit in silence and especially in this day and age you know if you're working from home and it's it can get to people so I think one thing that's why I want to speak to you mate a, to obviously talk about good times but you know check in and you know what happened because I think you're looking back we talked about your difficult times but you know you know I, I, something that we I didn't know about you till very recently but you obviously lost a, a brother at 13 and I lost a brother at 18 and so you know, we, we, was that the start of the difficult times for you, mate? When, how old were you when that happened as well? Yes, I was 13 um, when my younger brother passed away and I didn't know until recently when I was we just we were just chatting over messages and I didn't know that, that you'd lost a younger brother and, uh, you know, we, it's, it's weird that we played cricket together that long and and, we, and you don't, you know, if it's not something that you tend to bring up over dinner, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very... Um, you know, it tends to be a very personal pers personal conversation and, um, you know, it's, it was hard. It was hard. It was, uh, I think looking back now, I was so young that I don't think I even realised it. I was, I, was, I was really upset and, I, I, you know, I cried a lot and it was a horrible thing to, to witness. I've seen my brother being, being buried and, mm -hmm. you know, heartbreaking, but it didn't hit me actually until later. Mm -hmm. You know, as I got older, 18, 19, 20, and I would look around and I would see my my good friends. And I've always been lecturing friends because you see brothers, they always love Barney and meet each other. You know, there's always a, there's always, and I always try to remind them that, you know, you're lucky you've got your brother um, and you should, you should, you, you don't know, you don't know what's around the corner. So you should try and, you know, cherish that relationship. Uh, but no, it was tough. You know, my mum and dad, I, I, I'll never understand what they've um, what 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 they've what they went through. My mum was a sole carer. Uh, my my younger brother had life shortening illness called pseudo obstruction Hamza, um, and my mum was with Hamza at York Hill Hospital day and night. So my mum was not around. I was blessed with a an older sister as well who pretty much looked after me at home, as well as my dad. Dad was still having to go out and work and stuff. So it was a it was a it was a it was a tough time. Um, and cricket probably actually kind of allowed me to still focus on something. I wasn't really interested in school. Cricket was the was the be all and end all. And I was so busy at those years from thirteen to nineteen twenty with cricket that I, I didn't. I, I got through those years okay. But I, I, I feel it even now. I feel it now. Uh, you know, as you get older, you really start to think about things, and you look around and you see. You know, I attended one of my one of my good mates' younger brother's weddings recently, and you know, I, you start to think, you know, that should that should have been attending my younger brother's wedding at some point, or you know, or even when I got married the first time, it was sad that my younger brother wasn't wasn't present, getting married for a second time. You know, you're, you're, it's, 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 a, it's it's an it's, it's quite an empty empty feeling, but nothing compared to what my parents would have gone through. You know, and. I kind of regret some of the difficulties that I gave them personally by being stupid and just being at a young age because if I knew what I know now, I would have been a lot more conscious of that. But look, we all we all live and learn. Yeah. And 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 do you think and obviously you know, you talk obviously your marriage and your 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 first your first kid and it is has been away from 
you, you, Harris, has that has that affected you? Think long term, mate. Is that why you're so vocal, you know, on social media about it? And is that is that something you're struggling with at the moment? That has probably been the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my in my, in my whole life. Um, again, because I was so young when I lost my younger brother, you think about things differently at different ages in life. Uh, Harris was with me from the moment he, from when he was born to when he was you know six 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 and a half years old. Um, uh, yeah, really hard, really hard, and that that led me to the worst times I've faced probably about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I was honestly, it's, it's I don't really like, I don't, I don't like going too deep into it because, it, but I mean, I said that in my newspaper article that I did with the Scotsman, it was, at, it was at the point where I was living in a, a four bedroom house, you know, alone. And I was having, having thoughts that were not good mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you know, you know, driving, oh, the, driving on the motorway back from just thinking, just thinking, could just drive my car, just off. drive my car off. That, that, you know, nothing good coming for me just now. Um, thank God, those thoughts didn't didn't come to didn't come to, didn't come to fruition, and I didn't do didn't do anything stupid like that. But scary to then, I think when people are going through stuff like that, they don't realise what's happening to them. Until, you know, I just had. I remember one day I was I was alone at home, and I think I was I think it was my mom or my sister that I phoned, and I just said I need to get out of this house. I need to I need to leave here. I need to I need to move in with my mom or something. I need to be around people because something bad's going on. I feel something. But you know, I was I had anxiety. I was I left my job that I was in. Everything was just and, the, and what I would say is the outside world can be quite cruel. You know, I, I worked in a place at the time. I'm not going to name the company because that would be unprofessional of me, but you know it was I was I was a business developer in there, and they knew that I had gone through a, a bad marriage breakup, and I wasn't seeing my son. Some of them showed me some concern at the beginning, but then it became kind of a laughing matter, and it became. And I'm not, you know me, Flanners. I'm normally quite. I'll give as good as I get, but when I was one of the moments in my life where I felt the most insecure and uncomfortable because I actually went home a couple of times. I was in tears. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Dust yourself off, sort yourself out, go back in and stand your ground with these people. And I couldn't do it. I actually could not do it. It was, I was like, can't, I can't go to work. And then I'd called in sick a couple of times. I had a car accident. I was driving down the, driving down, not my fault. And a guy came out the bend and hit me, hit me front on. That bang as well, that just added added on to it. It was a bad one. The car was a write-off. The the, the airbag went off. And my, the guy that was my manager at the time, you know, was pressurising me to get back into work. And it had only been two or three days since it happened. It was just just one of the, one of the most... Ho- I wanted just to run and take a dive somewhere. I was, I was totally... And then what you do sometimes as well is during that time, I said I did it and lashed out at some of the loved ones around you i.e. my mum maybe saying a few things to me I didn't like and I would just be nasty. So she 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 maybe not talk to me for a while when really I probably needed my mum on side. Um my father was constantly trying to, but he didn't really understand what I was going what was what was going on. And you you know the company you keep and stuff like that at that kind of time. It was probably not the probably wasn't the best. Um thank God, you know, that 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 time has passed. I'm sitting in front of you now. Maybe I'll, you know you could hopefully see that I'm coming across quite Quite a 
quite 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 different. But if you'd spoken to me two and a half years ago, um, and I can definitely now understand and I can relate to. And depression is an ongoing thing. I mean, I've not not seen my son for two and a half years. I think about my son every single day. So some days I can just be absolutely, you know, I can be fine. I can be okay. And I could just go on a total total nosedive and just feel 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 pretty sad. And I'm uh, the biggest thing I'm thankful for is that I met my my new partner, um, who I've been very vocal about as well. And I'm vocal about it for a reason because it was like she's been sent to me like an angel. You know, my wife Kaya has just been breath of fresh air in my life. I've never been so happy in a in a, in a relationship, and I'm I'm truly blessed to have her in my life and then blessed with a baby girl we called Ava. So, you know, a lot of things to be thankful for, but I, I'm, uh, I actually have two sons. Uh, something yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've, I announced recently. Yeah, I've got a busy boy button today, mate. I've got a 16-year-old going on, 17-year-old son, Callum. Callum. Um, and I met with him recently. Um, and that's an ongoing, ongoing relationship. And mm. it's... Um, Obviously, we've not been part of each other's life for many years, but it felt bloody good to meet him. Um, I had seen him many years ago when he was younger and life and different mistakes that I've made as well. But I'm, I'm trying to, you know, we all make mistakes and I'm just a guy that's trying to put some wrongs right um, and working towards being part of all three of my children's lives. That's, that's the dream for me. That's what keeps me going. I would love to have all three children part of my life where I have some sort of influence on them and I can care for all of them and and hopefully teach them to learn from some of my mistakes. Um, yeah. That's and, and I'm a big advocate for for mental health in general. And I, as you as you said, I, I'm very vocal about it. And I get messages from just random people, people that I don't know very well. And I I I, I try to give my time to anybody and whoever it may be, whatever kind of problems they're facing, because it's bad, man. It's bad if people need to really. And I think people are more educated on it, but it can be as bad that, that these are the things that people don't just commit suicide because, you know, they never got a chocolate bar that they wanted. You know, it, yeah. it, it builds up over time. It tends to be something that's caused it, probably, that's, that's lead, but you don't get help. How many times do you hear about people committing suicide? It's, 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 it's horrible. Uh, yeah. But I think that's why I tried to be vocal about it. I know some people call it feeling sorry for yourself still. I mean, I remember when Jonathan Trott spoke out, he was one of the first, one of the originals. And I'll put my hand up and say that I was like, oh, he's bricking it off Mitchell Johnson. He wants to just, he wants to go home. How wrong, yeah. how wrong I was to think like that. Because even, even you know, you don't know what the guy was going through in the in the hotel room alone, you know, away from family, you know, Marcus Strathcothic, another cricketer who, who's, who's suffered from it. It's bad, man. It's um, And it can really ruin, it can really, really, really cause you a lot of harm and, and put you through stuff that's it's, it's really it's, it's, it's quite sad so uh, anybody that's that's suffering from from mental health be it anxiety depression whatever then you should you should try and surround yourself with people that love and care for you and also you should try and speak to people and, and seek help yeah i think i was going to ask you know what would your advice be to people who are struggling mate but to be honest you've just hit the nail on the head there you've got to surround yourself with people that are loving caring and, and speak up do you know what i mean don't don't sit in the shadows and uh, and let yourself drift away and i think you're, you're right in sport it's been that whole attitude of oh, just get on with it do you know what i mean and i think you can see that get on with it it'd be fine or you're, you're you're soft and and i think it's actually taken people to take their own lives so people actually stand stand up and actually take a take a notice of it which is such a shame yeah. um 
but yeah, and and you know, to be honest, mate, if anyone knew you, you know, growing up playing cricket with you, you're the the, you're the bubbly guy, you're the character, you're always, you know, creating an environment and an atmosphere which is, is people having a laugh and to hear like how dark times have got for you there, you know, it's it, it's it's scary. It is very scary. So I'm I'm glad to see you've got like a beautiful family now, mate, as well, and and, and things are looking up. And I, listen, that brings me the, the the next the next one is mate is you know what does the the podcast hold for you now? Because you've had some big names, um, you've had some great guests. Obviously, the first one was the best guest that you got on. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What what's the what's the what's the pattern now? What are you up to now? Do you have to what's the plan? Um. Well, it's it's been a it's been a it's been a been one of the best things I think I've ever done in my life. Um, just got this this little you know I actually did I, I thank the the guys over at halfway up middle, Matthew mm-hmm. Parker. It was actually um, him and Liam that were wanting to start something up, and they'd yeah. spoken to me about doing a couple of podcasts. I'd already done some stuff with Crick Index before Eddie Gibbs. So I had a little bit of experience of doing it. You know me, I like to talk and I, I like to share my opinions. Um, and it went quite well. And then I said to them, where do you want to take this then? You know, what's next? And I, I think they were kind of like, well, we're kind of doing our doing our thing. And I was like, so, hey, do one shaky eye, off you go. And I was like, hey, listen, no, fair enough. No, totally cool. Um, and then I just went away, got in touch with your good self. And I was like, why don't I test the why don't I test the waters here and see how see how this goes? I think you did about 780 views. And and I know that's nothing compared to when you appeared on dinner date and you, you had hundreds of thousands. It's up 110,000 and now me getting paid. But when you're starting out, I've done my research to get even anywhere near a thousand views, which is what I ended up getting with the likes of Maggie, Darren Sammy, that's pretty good going for a guy who's just started yeah. started started YouTube, started a podcast. Um, the guests have been, been I've been very lucky. You know, Dad and Sammy came on, and it was actually Majid that had an interaction with Tino Best on Twitter, and I was like, they know each other or they know somewhere each other. I was like, Majid, have a word with Tino Best. Tino Best and me are like chums now, you know. And I had him on the podcast; he was absolutely fantastic. Omar Henry, great, great story. You know, South African legend. Um, obviously, I had his son to open that door up for me and ping his dad and and you know he's he's been a he's, he was a pleasure to speak with andy moles um ex ex coach of mine has obviously just gone through a really tough stage in his life um has been just just uh been given a prosthetic leg after having his leg amputated what an inspiration it was to speak to him and hear how he's bouncing back um and and and, and looking to inspire people and let them know that you know you can you can you can go on and then i've crossed over i spoke to First type one diabetic professional boxer, Muhammad Ali from, from Manchester. Um, great story. I, I know of a few people that have been inspired by that, whose children have got diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. So that was amazing to hear about. See, when you, it's not, it's just to hear when somebody says, you know what, I really enjoyed that, or that inspired me, or that is just, that's the best sure. feeling. You know, Barry Maxwell, um, a girl that I, I had on the show, first girl I've ever seen play cricket. We were friends on Facebook. Um, she'd been watching a few of the podcasts and she said to me, do you know, would you, would you have me on? And I was like, oh, tell me a bit about your story. And when she told me a bit about her story, I was like, absolutely, you know, served in the army, served in the Navy, played cricket for Scotland, faced a lot of challenges with her mental health and depression. And it was a big thing for her to do. She was she was nervous all the way up to, to doing it. 
what a podcast. You know what? And she and she's she's had so many loving messages. She's been so many people inspired by 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 her story. Just those those things alone. Magic Hack, another very very like the most listened to podcast. I think it was really good for Magic to get some closure and for people to maybe hear a bit more about the story. There's always two yeah. sides to every story. Um, and I think things could have been handled perhaps differently on both sides. And Magic got to tell his story. And I, and I know he got a lot of a lot of support and a lot of people maybe that doubted Magic maybe had a change of opinion on that. So that 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 that, that meant a lot to me as well. Good friend of mine, obviously. So it was it, it touched my heart to do that podcast. Um you were great. You know, we had a good good laugh. It took me back down memory lane speaking to you again because you know we had some a, a lot of great times. Where is it going to go? Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm yeah. not sitting on a, a large bank balance right now. Put it that way. You know, I would uh, I would love to get into to doing some media work. There was chat about potentially doing some commentary for Cricket Scotland yeah. um, and the Horizon, but all the games got cancelled. Uh, to name another person who's been very much supportive to me is old friend and current captain Kyle Kutzer. Obviously, I had him on the podcast as well. He was fantastic. Um, he's been very supportive to me and I appreciate that a lot. I think that's been really good as well. I've had a lot of support from people you have been really supportive to me. Uh, I want to name a guy, Graham McLaren. He's yeah. been a big supporter to me and, I, you know, we've talked a lot. You know, there were some moments where I was I was starting to maybe pay a bit too much attention to the views and stuff because it went from, like, way up yeah. here. But I think that was because it was lockdown and then people got back to their lives and, that you know, they were, they were, but I, I decided that I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to. I want to keep yeah. going. This this really helps me, and I, and, I, and I hope it helps some other people out there. Um. So then got the idea of why don't I go back to Mister Original? Why don't I yeah. get um? Why don't I get Ryan Flanagan on? And you know we've got you've got some pretty cool ideas. I think it's important to freshen things up a little bit. So why don't you tell us what the future holds? What what kind of ideas? What what what, what, what have you got up your sleeve? Mate, to be honest, I think for me is is the big thing is the whole mental health issue for me. I think there's a big drive on people speaking out, and and, and it, it's really surprised me how you know videos and podcasts can touch so many people. Do you know what I mean in cricket, it's a it's a followed sport, and sport in general is followed by so many individuals across Scotland and in the UK, and and you never know when that little comment from maybe their hero or someone they've played with in the past or someone they've looked up to that will just shape their day and, and maybe shape their, their their life moving forward so yeah there's there's going to be people out there of their, their their comments or critics and but then the day mate if it makes you feel better and, and it makes other people feel better then that, that I think that's you know brilliant I think in terms of some of the names that I'd love to bring to the table you know you've got guys like Alex Hales you've got George Bailey you mentioned Dan Christian um, these are guys that I'll play cricket with and you know some of the bloody World Cup winners these guys you know what I mean and and and, and T20 World Cup winners so I think for me uh, and, and there's a few rugby lads that I'd love to speak to what about the hippies what about the hippies you must have a few contacts there Flores mate listen I think you, my, must, be, my you must be in the hospitality you, you don't go to the stands anymore do you mate listen when, when my mate uh, David Wotherspoon played for Hibs it was a a free pie at half time and and a, and a cold seat at Easter Road, but Spoonie's been playing for St Johnson for a few years now. So now, listen, my my love with Hibs is uh, not diminishing, of course, but now it's it. Yeah, I think we just got to 
you've got to keep it uh, interesting. And I think, you know, if, if people get the big names and, uh, and, I, and I suppose, you know, getting a few sponsors out there as well, because then the day, you know, if you're getting uh, our name out on Twitter or across YouTube and Facebook, and there's plenty of businesses uh, in Edinburgh that will be looking for, you know, additional help. And uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of members at the Grange that will have very successful businesses. You know, I know a few, like you've got Genius Lager and things like that. These are sort of guys that we'd love to maybe hit up and, and, and get promoting across, across these sort of different platforms as well. So, yeah, listen, we'll, we'll try the the, um, the well-to-do type at Grange and see if there's anyone kicking about for some sponsors. Um, but, yeah, mate, that would that, be a, a plan for me anyway. Yeah, no, look, um, I, I've had some conversations with a few East Coast. I won't name any people because there's nothing being finalised. But I have had some conversations predominantly with uh, people who own businesses from Edinburgh. Um, mm. I'm keen to try and approach some people in Glasgow. Um, I think bringing you on board could uh, could open up some some other doors, as you're saying. You've got some great guests that you're lined up, and I think just having a having a fresh face on the the podcast, people are probably getting to the point of sick of my mug. Um, so yeah. I think it'll be really really interesting to maybe co-host a couple mm-hmm. of big guests um, and pick their brains. And I and I agree with you. I think the, the where the real um, enjoyment and what people really get inspired from is definitely on the, 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 the mental health side of things because I think people like real if you yeah. if you if you if you're going to be real and you're going to talk about your real life challenges that's the stuff that people can relate to too often do you hear about people that are trying to be somebody they're not on TV um and, and that's that's something I'm I'm just not trying to be I'm just trying to be myself uh yeah. and, and I try to bring that out of the guests um, yeah. And some of them have been great at that, and I think you'll be really good at that as well. I mean, I've enjoyed enjoyed uh, speaking with you. You've you've, uh, you've put me at ease, and your your questioning has been good. You try to take my job. You try to change the name from Shaky Sports Journeys to Flanner Sports Journeys. Shaky yeah, yeah. Flanner Sports Journeys. We could be eventually taking it's over the globe, mate. Double, double team, mate. Double trouble. But I think it's the awareness, isn't it? It's 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 getting the awareness out there that you know people are here to chat and. Um, and people want to hear the stories, you know, the, the old cricket and tales or the old football tales. That's what, what people are about, mate. So, hey, listen, I hope everyone's enjoyed um, Ryan Flanagan's first episode with the main man himself, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Shake. Um, so, yeah, listen, guys, listen, thanks so much, mate, and uh, look forward to doing this uh, together uh, a lot more. Much appreciated, Flan. I'm very excited about the, the future. Um, and uh, I know you're a busy man, but if we can get a couple of recordings in a month, I'm sure we can keep people entertained. Good man. Cheers, mate. Take care, mate. Cheers, mate.